folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That's true. But even then, he knew he'd find a much better place either with or without you. It's Micah. Hey, what's going on? It's been a while since our last recording. A little little eighties, uh little eighties pop for you. Yeah, what song is that? Don't don't you want me? Oh jeez. You know, I'm not yep. good with the lyrics. Yeah, I had to yeah. look up uh, that part. <laughs> don't you want me, baby? That's it. That's don't all. you yep. want me, baby? Yeah, great song. It really is. It really is <laughs> dude, a good song. I fucking song. love new- dude. So I have to tell you. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about a musical performer named Puddles Pity Party. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Puddles the Clown. Uh-huh. And so I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole. Oh, did you? Dude, he has all kinds of cool fucking music. Yeah, they're awesome. I specifically watched one video that really stuck out. He did a cover of Lords. Uh, I've never seen a diamond in Oh, the Royal song? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it was a new wave version of it. So it's him playing a guitar. Okay. Like the video is him playing the guitar and it's a new wave version of Lord's Royals. Oh, wow. Dude, it's so fucking good. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm going to have to look into it. Dude, Dude, my son, my four month old son was on my lap and he was fascinated by puddles. Oh, I We were watching a lot of puddles and like he was just like just staring at it intently like, what? What is this grown man doing? Why is he dressed you, up like you this? You had suggested it's like an acoustic version of Crazy Train he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Dude, it's such, it's my favorite version of Crazy Train. But, dude, I think the New Wave version of Royals might be my favorite version. Yeah. They did a Nirvana, dude, so much. I, honestly, anything he covers, I think, is my favorite version of the cover. He's really good. He's really talented. Like, it is such a weird like kind of hokey concept that he's like dressed up as a clown. Yep. But he's so talented. He it's like he does these incredible takes on like classic songs. It's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Cannot recommend enough. You yeah. know what? You know what else though, Micah? What? So here. Okay, man, here's the thing. There's been some big stuff going on in the news. And I mean, it's a sore subject. Okay. And I know people probably aren't going to be happy about us talking about it. But I mean, it's the biggest story in the world right now. And you can't escape it. We got to talk about it. Okay. Snoop Dogg decided to quit smoking weed. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Have you not heard about this? No, I have not. <laughs> you thought I was talking about something else. <laughs> um, recently, Snoop Dogg. He put out like a post that he's, but it's kind of hilarious the way he did it because he put out a post and it was like, I've decided to give up on smoking. I would appreciate if everybody would please respect my privacy at this time. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like he, he so, knew. Yeah. It's uh, even, he's like, look, I need to announce this to people that I'm not getting, I'm not smoking weed anymore. Uh, but I'm going to add like a little humorous flair to it. Like he, he put a yeah. post as if like somebody died. He's like, dude, RIP getting stoned. <laughs> That's hysterical. Wow. 
I never thought I'd see the day. Like, the world is on fire, dude. It's... Because, I mean, there is, like, an actual really big news story that we're not going to talk about that's been going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. but And it's just, like, I can't help but think the apocalypse is going to happen soon. Like, just m- more and you more not be wrong. insane things in the world are going on. Snoop Dogg quit smoking weed. Yeah. That's got to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> oh my gosh it's that that just makes me think of like the actual scripture in revelation when the four horsemen are released from their seals <laughs> and they're like and i heard another seal and a rider says whoa bitches be tripping i'm not gonna be smoking weed no more <laughs> <laughs> Bitches ain't shit but hoes and yeah, tricks. Exactly. And Snoop Dogg ain't smoking weed no more. It's no more. And off the horseman goes. Yeah, it's one of the signs, man. That's <laughs> So you want to hear something else that's wild? Okay. I want to see, I actually want to see if you know about this. Are you familiar with what vocaloid music is? Uh vocaloid? Vocaloid. Yep. It's V-O-C-A-L-O-I-D. Vocaloid music. Um Okay, so it's not acapella. It is that's not. acapella. Hmm. If you don't, uh, you, you know what? Just give me your wildest guess. Cause is Volbeat Vocaloid? No. Okay. No, it'd be interesting if they were, though. I don't know what Vocaloid music is. Okay, so I'm going to give you a list of the top Vocaloid artists that I can read, because it's in English. Um, Hatsune Miku is one who jumps out and I started sure them. Yeah. Yeah. I started, um, I started figure seeing this character. It's just an anime girl. All right. Okay. And her name is Hatsune Miku. Yeah. I figured she was an anime girl, but yeah, yeah. go on. So I started seeing that on like flyers in school for kids who are voting or running for class president, stuff okay. like that. And I'm like, what is this? And they said, my students were like, that's Hatsune Miku. Or Hatsune Miki. Dude, I fucking hate Gen Z. Okay, yeah, go on. And, and I'm like, but what is that? And they're like, oh, she's a Vocaloid artist. I'm like, what are you talking about? Here's Vocaloid music, Thor. Um, Vocaloid is a singing synthesizer technology developed by the Yamaha Corporation. Uh, it allows users to synthesize singing by typing in lyrics and melody. And the Vocaloid software uses pre-recorded vocals from voice actors or singers and combines them with the user's input to generate singing. Okay. All right. So this is saying that one of the distinctive features of Vocaloid music is the ability for users to create virtual singers, known as Vocaloids, to produce music with these computer-generated voices. Okay. Is this similar to, uh, who's the lady who had Elon Musk's baby? Uh, Grimes. She's a singer. Okay. Um, and she released essentially, it's like an AI program where you can, uh, use her voice. It's like AI with her voice and you can like write a song and have her sing it. That's basically what this sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So evidently there are like concerts with these characters that people will go to see. They're just anime characters? Yeah. Okay. So they're like holograms. Kind of like the gorillas. Yeah, but, but... More advanced. Yeah, but nobody's doing the actual singing. Okay. Nobody's on stage. Except for a hologram. Okay. That's singing and dancing. So we're officially in the Matrix? Uh, we're damn near close. And what's what's this uh, popular anime 
singer's voice? Oh, her, her name? name is Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you want to listen to one of her things? I haven't listened to any of her stuff. Sure. Whatever. All right. Let me. I got to pull it up now. I don't care. It's not going to be like, well, I'm going to leave it in too. Like, I don't give a shit. It's I not think, a real person. I think that there are thousands upon thousands of songs that this Hatsune Miku is attributed to. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to search her up on YouTube. Okay. So the first thing that comes up on YouTube is Hatsune Miku does not talk to British people. I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to click on it. She has 2.79 million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, of course. Fucking hate Gen Z. Go on. (laughs) Okay, I think I get it. I hate it. That sounds like hamster music. What are you listening to? Stop. Get some help. Figure out who the doors are. Listen to somebody real. <laughs> oh my god, what the... F- <laughs> like, what is our world? Why does that exist? What is the point of it? Uh, whatever. But that yeah, I just, it's like a bad anime theme song. I just thought that you might be interested in that information. Yeah. Would you say that that sounds like the Wes Anderson of music? No, because Wes Anderson is fucking thoughtful. <laughs> like, even if you don't like what he does, it's fucking thoughtful. And that's, you know, I'm tired of all these young people who want to have sex with cartoons. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole, folks. That's oh, totally fine. God. Oh, Hatsune Miku, no thank you. No thank you, Hatsune Miku. Yeah. Yeah. It, I had a like a 20-minute conversation with my students about this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bless bless your heart. Bless their hearts. I mean, I was trying to learn. That's what Southern people say when they're like, I think you're stupid. Yeah. Oh, bless honey, your heart. Bless your heart, yeah. Uh, you, want, you want to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I'm all fired up. Let's talk about uh, Asteroid City. All right. Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks, today we are talking about Asteroid City, the most recent film from Wes Anderson. Uh, was released in 2023. It was only in theaters. It was like a limited release, and it was only for a few weeks, and then it moved to Peacock, where it, uh, as of this recording, still currently is. I would say it's kind of a typical Wes Anderson film in that it is, it's a kind of quirky comedy. Yeah. Filled with, you know, the the tr- the hallmarks of Wes Anderson. It has very kind of rapid fire, dry, witty dialogue delivered by uh, performers giving very like subdued flat performances. Yes. And stylistically, it kind of has this 
really unique classic like 50s 60s uh feel um so all things that are very very wes anderson yeah um i I would say it's peak wes anderson so heads up fair warning uh spoiler alert as always but also if you haven't seen this if wes anderson is not your cup of tea i totally get it wes anderson is one of those guys where it's like i think what he does is very artistic I personally enjoy it, but if somebody told me I fucking hate Wes Anderson movies, I'd be like, you're totally justified in feeling that way. Sure. <laughs> you de- it's definitely, he has a uh, very uh, particular style that he doesn't really shy away from a Not lot. Not at all, so, especially in so, this film. So if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to love it. If you're not a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to hate, you're probably not going to love it. Um this one I will say, and he always does a great job of casting. Wes Anderson films always have pretty deliberate and wide-ranging casts, and he tends to get a lot of like big names kind of doing almost like an indie film type thing. Yeah. This movie has an insane cast list. So before we start talking about the movie, just I'm going to go down through the cast. The cast is nuts. And I'm just going to hit like the big ones. Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman, Jake Ryan, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Grace Edwards, Maya Hawke, Rupert Friend, Jeffrey Wright, Hope Davis, Steve Park, Liv Schreiber. Liv Schreiber? Liv Schreiber? I'm not sure how to say it. The guy who played Sabretooth in the Wolverine yeah, uh, uh, Origins movie. And then what else did he play? Uh, it's like a detective, I think. I don't know. I know he was in Don't Look Up. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what movie you're... Uh, are you thinking of the movie... Ray Sp- Donovan. What? Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan is the name of the movie? Uh, it's a TV series. He oh, was okay. He played Ray Donovan in Ray Donovan. Oh, okay. Um, I, I've honestly never seen it, uh, but I know it was kind of pretty well-loved by the people who liked it. Um. But going back to it, Lee Schreiber, Tom Hanks, and uh, fucking Matt Dillon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you you also forgot Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Willem Dafoe. And you forgot Jeff Goldblum. And kind of hilarious, Jeff Goldblum plays like a tiny little part yeah. in it. And also Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely missed a few. <laughs> and just a quick shout out to the three daughters, Ella Ferris, Gracie Ferris, and Willin Ferris. Yeah. Um, they're all I didn't as I was like researching into this, turns out they're actual triplets. Oh they're, yeah. Yeah, the three little sisters are actual they're sisters. Actual they're si- triplets. Sisters. I figured that two of them were at least twins because the two looked identical. Yeah. In any case, um, so Asteroid City, kind of a quick rundown of the plot. It's, uh, I've never seen this word before. It's called a metatextual plot. Okay. So the plot is you're kind of introduced to it like here is a play, but then you're also seeing the behind the scenes of the play. Sure. And the story of the quote unquote play is that... There's this science conference in the mid 50s in a desert town in like Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere in the southwest in the desert for these young uh, dorks and uh, science nerds. 
and it's called the Dorks and Science Nerds Conference. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's called like the Young, uh, the Young uh, Astrophysicist or something. Something like that. Yeah. And during this conference with all these uh, these families and their their children in this like big science convention, a alien comes down, and then they get basically quarantined in this town. And then eventually you're like the alien comes and visits again. Yep. I, I mean, it's. I don't know, actually, I was like, as I was giving the synopsis of the plot, I'm like, I don't know how useful that is. Well, I mean, that is the plot of the play. Yeah, it basically takes place in a 1950s in the desert. There's atomic testing going on and it's a science convention. And then all the drama kind of like unfolds within that science convention. Yep. And then beyond that, the you're getting these kind of behind the scenes black and white of the like the writer of the play trying to figure out exactly how he wants the story yeah. to move oh, forward. Oh god, I forgot in the cast list. Fucking Adrian Brody. Oh yeah, he is in that. Yep. Yeah. There's probably like five more. There's we'll so think of. many people in this goddamn cast. It's yeah. insane. It is a lot. It's absolutely wild. I don't know how they paid for this entire... This must have been a thing... I Remind me, I have an interesting fact about that. Okay. This must have been a thing where they just are friends. And he's like, hey, do you want to join me for this movie? Not going to pay you much because we've got a lot of people in it. But you won't be on set long either. It'll just be a quick thing. Yeah, I think honestly it's one of those probably people... Actually, I'll just give you the fact now. Okay. It's probably one of those where... Uh, Big celebrities, it's probably like a real, almost like an award getting to do a Wes Anderson film. Gotcha. I, I have to imagine it's coveted because I don't know this for sure, but I can only assume people in Hollywood, like artsy types, Wes Anderson films are probably like the cream of the crop for them. Because I have to imagine artsy folks fucking love this shit. Like I said, I really enjoy Wes Anderson films. I'm not like a, the biggest fan of all right. time because I've they are very artsy intentionally and sometimes it, it can feel a little bit a little bit contrived um but I have to imagine that yeah like th they probably work for cheap to be in one of his for example the fact uh this little tidbit I found Scarlett Johansson who played a pretty big role in the film mm -hmm. is one of the biggest movie stars in the world was paid four thousand dollars a week huh <laughs> for two months of work. Yeah. So not uh, a ton. four times eight is like 48, 24, 32. So she made like, <laughs> she made like $30,000, $35,000 yeah. for this movie. Man, it's still not bad money by like a regular salaries comparison. Yeah, but yeah. no, but compared to what, what you she would normally make makes. for an Avengers movie or something. Sure. It's nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's honestly probably how they got a lot of the cast is people just being like, yeah, I'll do it for cheap. Sure. Because it's one of those things you do to do it, not because you're trying to make a ton of money. It might be a little bit of a palate cleanser, too, because because if these I mean, these are all pretty big actors. Mm -hmm. They're in really big movies where I would imagine this is just conjecture on my end that there's a lot of corporate oversight. There's a lot of red tape that happens with a lot of movies and production. Yeah. And with Wes Anderson, I bet there's none of that. Yeah. Studios probably just say, yeah, do what you want. Yeah. Because you have such a try. Like, they know it's not going to be a huge blockbuster. But they know as far as, like, the kind of, like, indie market, like, 
everybody's going to see it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, just to, it's going to be successful. Just do whatever you do. And they're probably, yeah, just have fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, was this a successful one? Um, I didn't look at the. All right, let's look at box office real quick. So it grossed 28 million in the U.S. and Canada and 25 million in other territories. Worldwide gross of 53 million. Huh. It does not have a, like a cost, yeah, or a budget. A cost. I will say, regardless of what it made, it was the highest opening for a Wes Ander film in wide release. Um, and once again, it had a pretty short theatrical run and kind of like a limited release, I believe. Yeah, this is definitely one of those films where the commercials come out and you're like, oh, okay, this is an artsy film. This will be up for awards. This is that type of film. Um, so yeah, let's get, let's get into it a little bit. Micah, how did you feel about this? Um, so, um, I kind of went back and forth with this, with this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wes Anderson films, I usually like them. They're never at the top of my list, I would say, except for Fantastic Mr. Fox. I really loved Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. But that might just be because it was a stop motion animation. Which naturally my brain goes, oh, you're probably going to like this with anything animation wise. It's just how, I don't know, where, where my interests lie. Sure. Yeah. So with that being said, um, I thought that it was, there were parts that made me chuckle. There were parts that made me laugh. There were parts though that I really felt like, I felt like this was out of all of his films. I think that this one was on more of the mid range. So okay. I, I didn't think it was his best work. And I feel like the, the amount of people that he got to get into this movie, I don't know if the script really warrants the talent that is behind the script. Okay. Cause I felt like the script was fairly dull and the movie ended. And I found myself just thinking what really was the, the journey that I just, that I just witnessed. Like I didn't dislike the movie. I okay. kind of, I kind of enjoyed watching it, but when it was done, like I don't really get or understand why I sat through that entire thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's definitely a fair criticism because like the whole concept is they end up in this town for mm -hmm. this science thing. An alien comes down then the whole town ends up quarantined, and then at the end they're like, "You know what? The quarantine's over. You can go home." Yeah, nothing's re nothing's really resolved. Um, from what I was reading, uh, it was announced in 2020 uh, as an untitled romance film. What between Scarlett Johansson's character and um, whatever the other guy's name well, is? Well, I think this is before casting, oh, okay. but it was just as a real, uh, announced uh, a romantic. Uh, a romance film, uh, writing and producing and directing uh, by Wes Anderson, it, writing with uh, Jeremy Dawson of American Empirical Pictures and Stephen Rates of Indian Paintbrush. Um, so basically, I guess they're like, OK, we're going to make this like romantic film. OK. And then over time, I guess it kind of morphed into uh, a film about Wes Anderson's just like kind of fascination with. Uh, UFO sightings in the Southwest in the early fifties and like around the time of nuclear testing. Okay. Because this is like 
for UFO guys, UFO lore, it's like when people really started seeing a lot of UFOs, it was right around the time that like nuclear testing started. So there are people who believe that uh, basically once nuclear testing began, it was kind of like a beacon to extraterrestrial life like oh hey these uh monkeys are now capable of destroying themselves we should keep an eye on them gotcha i'm not professing that is or not but like right i don't know there's just a lot around that subject and i guess it's something wes anderson is pretty interested in and then the concept of the quarantine came from like he started in 2020 and then everybody got quarantined and so he kind of was just like it just kind of ended up getting written in okay Okay, so this is this is what Wes Anderson said in May 2023, uh, it, where he said like how COVID-19 and like the pandemic inspired the film. He said, I don't think there would be a quarantine in the story if we weren't experiencing. It wasn't deliberate. Writing is the most improvis- improvis- improvisational part of the whole process. It relies on having nothing. So like the most indie film shit you can say. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, basically he was writing the story, going through quarantine, and so he was like, okay, I'm just going to write that into the story too. Sure. That's, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I mean, th- again, there were parts that I, I enjoyed. I really liked uh, anytime, anytime Scarlett Johansson's character was brought up, her name was Midge uh, Campbell. Yeah. All of the older men in the area repeated her name. Like they were recalling how absolutely attractive she was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're like... Mitch Campbell, everybody just goes, oh, Mitch Campbell. Like, and that was just a continuous thing that happened. That was pretty funny. Yeah, no, it's, and it makes sense too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, dude, I fucking love Scarlett Johansson. She's one of, usually, she's one of those that she's kind of like widely beloved by people and she's kind of like one of the biggest stars. Mm-hmm. And generally, those people irritate me. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever people love, I generally hate. That's just, that's a me thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but Scarlett Johansson, like, I'm fully on board. I think she's so wildly talented, so beautiful, and just uh, anything she does, I'm like, I like it. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I love kind of like the weird romance between her and Jason. I love Jason Schwartzman's character. His character's pretty cool in this. Yeah. Like, I like that concept of this 50s dad who's kind of cut off emotionally his wife's been dead for three weeks and he's like i don't know how to tell my kids he's like so there he just doesn't there just wasn't a right time yeah like there ever is <laughs> and then the guy the kid who plays his son uh his son woodrow played by jake ryan mm-hmm. uh i like their dynamic yeah yeah i i think that the acting was was pretty well done in a lot of this um I like Augie Steenbeck as well. He was the character played by Jason Schwartzman. Um, I really enjoyed his interaction with Tom Hanks' character, who plays his father-in-law. Yeah. I thought the interaction between those two were great. Dude, that first scene when they're on the phone yeah, is like, it's so well written. And once again, like, you just can't talk enough about how Wes Anderson's writing is just, it's unlike anybody else's. And once again, it's one of those you have to kind of enjoy it, that style of a thing to enjoy it. Okay. Because it is. It's always just like rapid fire, witty dialogue you really have to be paying attention to to catch what's going on. Yeah, it really reminded me of whoever the writer is of Gilmore Girls. 
Okay. And that show, it really reminded, like, as far as dialogue wise, it reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah. That that writer, I think, also is involved with Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime. That would make sense. Yeah. At, where it's like that fast, witty comedy again sure. and again. I, it reminds me a lot of that, which I can appreciate. Yeah, but that that conversation between uh, Schwartzman and Hanks in that like when they're on the phone uh-huh. i like the way it's shot because they're both on the phone but it does a split screen of them essentially looking at each other yeah and that's the part where he's like he's like it's been three weeks you haven't told him and he's like the there wasn't a good time and and tom hanks character goes it's never a good time yeah yeah <laughs> like he's waiting for the right time to tell him oh hey by the way your mother's dead just to kind of how like she, four how children casually drop it into the conversation oh like, yeah, by the way uh mommy is in heaven yeah well and also i like how just blunt he is with his kids yeah when he does break it to him <laughs> yeah he's like we'll say that she's in a better place not for me because i'm an atheist but you are episcopalian yeah. <laughs> and, and even later in it when like his son asks him he goes were you thinking of abandoning us he says, yes, I was thinking about abandoning you temporarily, but now I'm not doing that. But I decided not to, but in which I had, it would have been a temporary measure anyway. Yeah. It's just so upfront with, uh, with his kids, which is strange to me that he then couldn't figure out a way to tell his kids about his wife's passing. Yeah. Because he's so blunt. Yeah. With them. How did you feel about the black and white scenes of this where it was like the behind the scenes ed norton is the playwright of the movie that we're seeing yeah because we're watching the play yeah basically and then the black and white scenes are like the behind the scenes of what's going on and edward norton plays the the playwright adrian brody plays the director Mm -hmm. i really liked those scenes yeah they were strangely like evoked a lot of emotions out of me i i think Especially near the end, I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah, like when he, um, it's really that last scene where, because, you know, once again, spoiler alert ahead, an alien comes during their science conference when they're looking at a, like an ellipses. Which Some is stars like a thing that, that are aligning, yeah. Yeah, and it, it comes down and steals this asteroid that's been sitting in the big asteroid pit that it's taking place in. That's when they get quarantined. And then a week later, it comes and just drops the asteroid back off. Yeah. And then shit just starts going haywire. There's a kid on a jetpack. There's a kid who had made a death ray, basically. Yeah. He's firing it off. And Jason Schwartzman's character just is like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't even know who I am. And he just walks off the stage. Yep. And so he walks out of the movie, and now he's in the black and white behind the scenes. (sighs) And he goes out and talks to Margot Robbie's character, who was cut from the play, mm-hmm. who was supposed to play his dead wife in like a dream sequence. Like, I don't even know why it kind of like they're talking, they're going over the scene they were supposed to have. And it's so essentially him like living the scene of like this dream where he's talking to his wife. Yeah, I think he was trying to find like his character's motivation or trying to find the reasoning behind because earlier too, he just puts his hand on a burner just 
burns his hand. Yeah, and and uh, Midge, uh, Midge Campbell, Scarlett Johansson's character goes like, "Oh my god, that's real! You really did that!" And it's like this, like this real subtle break where you're like, "Oh, that's right. This is we're watching a play." Yeah. And that was real. Yeah, there are a couple of those little breaks, too. Like, there's a scene where Brian Cranston is just standing, like, ready to talk. <laughs> yeah, he and, just walks into it. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, oh, am I? I'm not in this one. And he just <laughs> takes a step out, and then the movie keeps going. This movie seemed real self-indulgent. Yeah, there was. It seemed real self-indulgent. And there's these little funny... I I love little funny things. Like, okay, you get the scene with Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Once again, one of these black and white scenes behind the scenes where they're talking where he's the director and essentially he's divorcing his wife and she's telling him, uh, you know, I still love you and your son still loves you, but not in the same way. Yeah. And so he's pretending to like hit a punching bag. One of those ones like uh, I don't know exactly what they call it. one of the ones that hangs speed from bag. the ceiling, a speed bag. Yeah. And he's making the noises like he's like, ba-dum, 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 like he's hitting. He's making the noises. Yeah. He's pretending to hit one. And then right next to him is an actual speed bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like this small little subtle thing that's just just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there is there is some pretty, pretty good comedy in it. I loved the three sisters mainly because they were just so out there. Yeah, it was so funny. She's like, oh, what do you princesses want to drink? With your breakfast, and they're like, we're not princesses. I'm a witch. She's a mummy. <laughs> yeah, I'm an alien. And she, it's the, the waitress is just like, I'm going to get you guys some strawberry milk. Yes. That's it. And also the scene where, because they, like, after, uh, after he divulges the information that their mother has passed away, he's holding a Tupperware container with her ashes. Yeah. So the girls get a hold of it and they just try to bury the Tupperware container in a back alley behind the building. Yeah. They're like, we're just going to give her a funeral real quick. Yeah. And the um, the grandfather, Tom Hanks, was like, you're not just burying my daughter's ashes in the back alley of some random ass town next to a cactus that means nothing to her. And he tries to remove it and they flip out because they're like. No, we're witches. We're trying to cast a spell to bring her back. They start like yelling at him and everything. And then he makes a bargain with them. Like, okay, we'll keep them here. We'll keep your mom here for the night. But in the morning when we leave, we're taking her with us. Yeah. They're like, they say, okay. Right. Dude, I can't say enough about Tom Hanks' character. It's pretty, he's a pretty good character. I love it. It's so good. And he has this way of like... Because basically, he has a very adversarial relationship with Augie. Yeah. And they're kind of, at one point, he even says, like, you never loved me. And he's like, it's not, he's like, I, my daughter loved you. Yeah. And he's like, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> like, basically, <laughs> they were saying, like, yeah, no, I don't love you, but I liked you, kind of. Yeah. Or well, something like, or like, I didn't like you, but my daughter loved you, so, like, I respect you sure yeah well and and that goes into say like at the very end because they have a conversation and he says look those are my granddaughters they're welcome to be with me anytime for as long as as long as they want and you are their father and you are married to my daughter so i don't like you but you're welcome to stay with me for as long as you want regardless of if i like it or not 
And I don't like it. And I don't like it. <laughs> but you are welcome to stay with me. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it's such a such an interesting character. Yeah. I like that. I also I love Scarlett Johansson's character. This she's kind of like this sad, depressed actress. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she was supposed to be portraying an actress who was past her prime or if she was just I think she was just supposed to be like a jaded actress. Okay. Where she's like a successful actress. Everybody's in love with her and she's just kind of dead to the kind of like numb to the world. She even has those scenes where she's talking about like, uh, I love my children, but I know I'm not a good mother. Yeah. I don't really see. And I don't really feel bad about it. She's like, I don't really know what to do with that information. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was, I don't know, man. Like it, I enjoyed watching things in this movie, but I really don't feel like I got much out of it. Yeah, I get that. That's kind of where. I, I mean, it's really a comedy. I don't think you're. I don't think there's really supposed to be a deep point to it. That's kind of what he does well. Is it's like, here's this quirky offbeat comedy, and it's kind of set to this backdrop of. Or maybe it's more, it's like serious dramatic stuff set to like quirky comedy that yeah. kind of takes the, takes the breath out of the, the drama. Oh, there was another name that we forgot. Uh, did we say Tilda Swinton? Oh, we did not know. Yeah. <laughs> she is in it too, yeah. What character did Tilda Swinton play? She was the person who was leading, she was like a, a astrophysicist or. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was actually the first person to sign up. On the on this film. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was the first person cast. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, this was... Um, I don't know. This was a movie, Thor. It <laughs> was not necessarily my favorite thing that we've ever watched, but it also definitely was not my least favorite thing. I get that. I love all their... Like, I love the quirkiness of it. I love all their, like, weird inventions and then the stupid different awards they got. Yeah. Like I really like the kids in this, the Brainiacs. The, or, well, he's Brainiac, but all the all the science kids, because mm-hmm. uh, they have all these wild inventions that like she created this thing that makes plants grow instantaneously, and she's like, but uh, it makes all vegetables it grows very toxic, extremely, extremely toxic, toxic and radioactive. Yeah. And uh, Woodrow, uh, his thing just puts a. Puts a picture on the moon. Puts a, basically projects on the moon. And he's like, I think it'll have applications in intergalactic advertising. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the death ray, obviously. Yeah, one kid makes a jetpack. I honestly thought that all of the kids, I thought that this was leading to all of the kids were going to fight the alien with their little inventions. How do you, as an animator... Mm-hmm. Or as somebody who's a fan of animation and an artist, how did you feel about the fucking CGI on that alien? Oh, I'm, I mean, it was fine. All of that was on purpose. Yeah. As I far know. as the way that it looked. It's so weird. It was yeah. like this intentionally weird, bad CGI. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I was like, I don't like it. Yeah, well, actually, I, I do know how I feel about. It. I didn't like it. It felt like too, too cheesy and too poorly done. Oh, see, for me, it kind of made sense for it to feel cheesy and poorly done, just because we were watching a movie about a play, and so I felt yeah. like if it were 
I almost ex- would have expected it to be somebody in an alien suit, right? Yeah. Like the same type of vibes is what I would have gotten from that. So I I felt like well, the, at one point they did put somebody in an alien suit. Yeah, wasn't it Jeff Goldblum? Wasn't it was, he the in the black and white? Yeah, it was like one of the black and white scenes. Yeah. So I feel like it was appropriate for this setting. If it was a photorealistic alien, I think it would have felt out of place to me. So I didn't mind it. Um, it wasn't super egregious. Yeah, thought, J- Jeff Goldblum is the alien. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man. So, I didn't realize. I'm looking down through the cast list. And, of course, I'm super excited now. One of the cowboys uh-huh. played by Sue George. Sue George. Oh, geez. Who is, is Sue George? He is a Brazilian musician. You've seen The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yeah. In Life Aquatic, he is the the uh, black guy who is always playing a classical guitar and singing. Okay. I fell in love with him because the soundtrack of Life Aquatic in that film, all the songs he's playing, mm-hmm. they're Bowie songs. Okay. Which he's playing on a classical guitar and singing in Portuguese. <laughs> he's So it's just Portuguese and, Bowie songs? Yeah. But he is himself, he's an incredible musician. Huh. But I love that soundtrack because it's because just of that. it's just Bowie songs like acoustic in Portuguese. That's hysterical. And Sue George is also in this as the cowboy. I just discovered that as I'm looking down through the cast list. Like who else could we miss? Yeah, I didn't realize that they were Bowie songs, but my Bowie knowledge is limited even today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. Oh, Steve Carell. Jesus Christ, we forgot I, that one too. I told you Steve. we'd find more. <laughs> Dude. And I love Steve Carell's character as this like uh, manager, this motel manager who's kind of almost a little bit overwhelmed, but really he's just kind of like checked out. Yeah. Well, and some of the things that he says to people are just absolutely ridiculous. Like people were checking in and he goes, here's your key. It's for room seven, but room seven's currently under construction. So we have a tent. Tent seven is for you. They're like, but we don't want to sleep in a tent. Goes well, that's your that's your room. <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, yeah, shut out lock. Yep. And then they've got another thing with it is that they've got vending machines alongside all the buildings, and yeah. one of them is for land. It just yeah. says real estate. You just buy parcels of land. Yeah. yeah. On there, yeah. Some of those were kind of wild and yeah, ridiculous. It's so out there, such a silly concept for a movie. It was a silly concept for a movie. It was a silly movie. Um. Um, how do you feel like visually? I I liked it visually. I thought it was cool because it's it's kind of oversaturated, like the saturation of of the play areas mm-hmm. are pumped up, and then they also lowered the contrast on them, so everything was really really bright. There was nothing that was dark in yeah. in those areas, and I thought that that was it had a very neat feel. It felt like an older film. Um, yeah, I love the whole, all the sets and the train and everything. It felt like, you know, because in the 50s and 60s, before they had computers, mm-hmm. they would make models of shit. Yeah. And everything felt like a model. It all felt like handmade and like classic, classic Hollywood, like cardboard cutouts and shit. I don't know. It all felt just very... It really did feel like a classic Western town in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you've just got the fronts of the buildings. Yes. And they're just being held up by two by fours. I, I got that feel as well. Yeah. How did you like the scene where 
there's like one payphone. And then when the military realizes we can't let any of these people leave, they put a guy on duty to make sure that no public calls are happening. Yeah. And so he's sitting there with his rifle next to the payphone. And one of the kids comes up and he's like, hey, I owe the telephone company three cents. I don't feel right stealing from him. So the guard just gives the kid the rifle. Yeah. And the kid puts it to put a dime in the phone, which then they use to hijack the phone because it's all these science nerds. Yeah. So that they can uh, break the scoop. Yeah, it's very I, funny. I like uh, I also love how they kind of break the scenes up into the acts. Yeah. And then they give like all the stage direction. Specifically, act three is very interesting because it says um, uh, act three is supposed to be it's something like no breaks at a feverish pace. Oh, yeah. Or yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't I could have probably taken or left the kind of breaks that they threw in there. Yeah. Act three. They put in something along the lines of like the fact that there's no intermission between act two and three. Uh-huh. Like the audience just has to suffer through it. Yeah. And that it. there's no breaks between the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you how do you feel about the film? Because you recommended it just based on oh it showed up on Peacock, but when you did yeah. recommend it, yeah, I just didn't have a recommendation, and I and I knew I wanted to watch it, so I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it on the show." Sure. So usually, right? Usually, one of us, we, I mean, if we're recommending it, normally it's because we liked it. Yeah. Right. But how did you feel about it this time around? Um, I liked it about as much as I expected to. Okay. Which is Wes Anderson is never one of my favorites, but he's one of those, like, I always want to see what he made. My favorite film of his is, uh, life aquatic. Okay. It has not dethroned that one. Um, but I mean, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a fun watch. Yeah. His movies are never ones that I'm like, I'm always dying to watch a bunch of times or anything like that. Definitely not. Cause I feel like you kind of, it's one of those experiences you really got to be strapped in and like, okay, I'm going to be very focused on this. I'm not going to look at my phone. Because uh, I don't want to miss dialogue, and there's going to be little stuff to catch. Sure, I feel like it's one of his funniest. It's like, pretty funny. I one. found myself genuinely laughing out loud a lot during this film. Yeah, like, it is a pretty funny one. Different dialogue pieces, different just small touches. Like once again, the the punching bag where he's pretending to punch, and there's an actual one right next to him. Yeah, I thought it was such an interesting concept to be like the way the film is framed, where it's like. You have Brian Cranston as the narrator explaining what you're seeing. And he's like, here's this play. And then it switches between the behind the scenes of the play and the actual play and all of it's being narrated. But you don't necessarily like that has no context. Like, is that a are you watching a TV show narrating a play? Yeah. Or like that has no context, which is very just. I thought it was a just a super interesting way to present a film. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, definitely not one that I remember. I don't think that I've seen another film presented in this way. Yeah. It had like multiple layers yeah. just inherently in the way it's like shot and presented to you. Sure. So, yeah, I liked it. Um, I, de- I definitely enjoyed it. It's it's Wes Anderson. It's Wes so, Anderson. So it's one of those like either you like what he does or you fucking don't like it. Yeah, so I like Wes Anderson. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's about as hipstery as I'll get. It is very hipstery. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's kind of a weird, dry comedy, a little bit offbeat. I think the soundtrack's pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I enjoyed the soundtrack great. quite a bit for this film. 
Um, I just, for me, it didn't do much beyond kind of make me chuckle and enjoy the movie while I was watching it. Past that point, I've I've already forgotten 80% of it. Sure. Yeah, no, I get that. So let's move to ratings. I feel like it's probably about that time. Yeah. How about on a scale of, let's just do a 1 to 10. Uh, a scale of 1 to 10 bodies cremated and put in a Tupperware. There you go. That's yeah, a good rating. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go 6 for me. Okay. Yeah. I think I'll probably at like a 7. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. There were things that I liked, things that I felt. I kind of felt like if this were a film, it would just be janking it all the time about itself. Okay. I felt like, I felt like Wes Anderson. Here's my thoughts on this film. My thoughts are Wes Anderson makes a bunch of films. People love those films. And then he goes, I can do anything I want. I can do anything I want. And he just starts calling his buddies and he's like, Hey, Scarlett Johansson, you want to be in this film? What's it about? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's by me. All right. And then he calls up Willem Dafoe, calls up Jeff Goldblum, just calls all of his friends up. And then they all show up for the movie and he goes, okay, I didn't think about what I actually wanted to do. So it's a play about a movie. It's just a movie about a movie in the desert. And also there's an alien at one point. Yeah, and yeah, it's an alien. Uh, We got a lot of really dry one-liners and some comedy. And you guys know how my movies feel like Wes Anderson films? It's going to feel like that times 10. That's Asteroid City. And they're like, should we be, uh, like when we're acting, should we be like overly animated? It's like, nope. Nope. Nope, just deliver the lines as if you're reading them uh, off of a... Uh, right off of a piece of paper and then just, you know, just really play up your facial expressions. Deliver the lines in a very monotone, dry <laughs> way and then just really express with your face. And yeah. Like, <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It's exactly what it was. Yeah. So, what about you? Where would you rate it? Uh, seven. Seven. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Seven. Okay, so six or seven deceased mothers in Tupperware in the middle of the Arizona desert. Yeah. Pretty good rating. Yeah. Pretty Feels good rating. Well, right? Yeah, for Wes Anderson, yeah. Yeah, so why don't you guys let us know, especially those of you in Arizona. I'd be really curious. We don't have many listeners in the Southwest, actually. So if you're in Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico area, give us a call. Find us on email. Find our Instagram <laughs> and our Snapchat. You can find us on Instagram at get wrecked. Is that right? Get wrecked pod. Yeah. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at get wrecked podcast. Um, once again, just, I mean, give us a follow. I mean, it'll help us in the algorithm. It'll help us get some stuff out there. Like our posts, interact with us. Tell us what you think about Vocaloid music. Yeah. Uh, or if you don't like to be so public with your love for our podcast, which I don't understand, but if you do, you're a little bit, a little bit secretive. That's fine. Pretty sure Dick Cheney said he loved our podcast. Yeah, uh, definitely did. Yeah. And uh, reach out to us at getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can hit us with recommendations, your thoughts on the show, uh, your thoughts on uh, what we said about Asteroid City. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Is Wes Anderson the best? Is he stupid? Should we have never watched it? I don't know. You tell me. But do that at getrectpod at gmail.com. 
That's Ooh. right. Micah, what are we going to get into next week? Okay, so I've got a couple different options. They come from different people. So I'm going to throw this out here. How do you feel about watching a TV series that was massive, massive success, but I'm fairly sh- sure that you have not seen it? Okay. Or a movie... Oh, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Uh, I well, don't know if- what are the options? Let me see if I've seen these things. Okay, Fargo. The film or the show? The film. I have not seen the film. I watched the show. <sighs> Dude, we might have to watch Fargo. Okay. Here's your other option. Um, Squid Games. I think I would rather watch Fargo. I have not seen... You know why I haven't seen Squid Games. I feel like we've probably talked about those. I don't know. Why, you, why haven't you seen Squid Games? Because it came out and everybody was like, it's the best fucking show. It's so good. And it pissed me off so much. I was like, I'm never going to watch that stupid shit. Okay. And it's probably incredible. Okay. Kendra has tried telling me multiple times, like, we should watch, you should watch it. You will like it. And I'm like, yeah. I won't do it. I'm not going to watch it. But I will watch it for the show. Okay. But. If that's the case, Fargo is what we're getting into. Okay. Fargo the film. Fargo the film. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Coen brother film, Fargo. Wait, you know, I feel like I actually may have seen it. This is with William H. Macy mm-hmm. and it, Francis McDormand. They find a dead... You know what? It's been a long time. If I have seen it, it's been a long time. I think I may have, actually. It has to do with a kidnapping. It's a kidnapping. Uh-huh. William H. Macy's wife gets kidnapped. Okay. William H. Macy works at a car dealership. Yeah, this sounds familiar. I think I've probably, but honestly, I can't recall anything about it. So, yeah, I think we should watch it again. Do you recall a scene with a wood chipper? Uh, Off the top of my head, no. Okay. In that case, we should watch Fargo. Okay. Yep. The night I believe it's a 1990s Coen Brother film. Uh, it's a Coen Brother film. I believe it's in I the guess 1990s. I need to see a scene where somebody's feeding a tree through a wood chipper. That y- sounds cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what's I'm happening. I'm sure that's what's going through the wood chipper. So, so yeah. Um, this film is about William H. Macy's wife gets kidnapped um, and things just go awry in the most darkly comedic way that a Coen Brother could write it. And make it happen. Okay. So it is very much a Coen Brother film, similar to how this film that we just reviewed is very much a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. So there you go. Next week, folks, we're getting into Fargo, and we might be talking with some nice North Dakota accents. Oh, man. Oh, God. Because that's where this film takes place. The ugliest accent in all the world. (laughs) But also the friendliest. Yeah, that's true. And the least threatening accent in the world. Could you imagine if someone from North... What does the North Dakota mob sound like? And how do they shake you down? (laughs) You know, I'm I'm not even... You know what? I don't know why I keep trying to do impressions on this show. (laughs) I can't do them. I'm going to stop. They're better than mine, so that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... Next week, folks, Fargo. Watch it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Fargo the movie. Um, But it's a good one. You should watch it if you haven't. And then come back to us. Talk to us about it next week. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So, until next time, folks. As always. You get wrecked out there. Stay wrecked.